The Thrivecast is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to helping accounting professionals save time and grow their practice. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor program, you can truly boost your efficiencies, collaborate with clients, and play a pivotal role in fueling their success. Follow the link in the show notes to find out more. Yo, we're kicking this podcast off. <laughs> we, Episode we 71. Great. I know. I can't even believe that it's been that many. Jason, my son, Grady, we've been doing this for almost six years. My son, Grady, is 12. He was sick. This, we've been doing this podcast Dude. for half of his life. No way. Yeah, yeah <laughs> which is nuts. And here's the thing. My son is a friggin' entrepreneur. Is he? Because wow. is, dude, is he a boss? No, he is not a boss. Okay, but that's that's a so. First off, he's an entrepreneur. It's crazy because he's a, he's the kid who he will tell you how horribly painfully bored he is if if you're watching a TV show that's not like his t like he can't handle it for even five and he'll minutes. Moan but, complain. Oh, oh, it's the worst. But. He every weekend that he can, he sets up a card table in front of the house and does what he calls a mini garage sale. And he will spend five hours wow. sitting on his butt doing nothing, waiting for people to come and buy his trash for <laughs> 25 cents. And then he'll do it forever. And it's like, what? What's going on? He's, How does he he's do nuts that? like that. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the whole thing boggles me. But here's the thing. Six years ago, because, you know, every parent has conversations with their kids about, like, what do you want to be when you grow oh, yeah. up? Oh, yeah. And and six years ago, I would say, Grady, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he would say, I want to be a boss, is what he said. It's like, <laughs> what? What, is, what do you even mean by that? You want to be a boss. But he, he, want he wants to tell people what to do. <laughs> He wanted to be the boss, which then turned into general. It's like, what do you want to be? <laughs> okay. Well, maybe that's the same thing. <laughs> I think it was kind of the same. Plus, he, he thought generals got to go to uh, to pyramids in Egypt and, and raid all their treasure. I think that was. <laughs> well, you know, that's a, that's an interesting story because today we're talking about how to be a great boss. Yeah, and Grady, I mean, if he ever listens to this podcast, which he never will, <laughs> uh, uh, he will be disappointed because he would not make a good <laughs> I just don't – I don't think he's got what it takes, and that's part of what we're talking about. That's right. We're going to talk about what it takes. So so this book is by Gino Wickman and Renee Bauer. Uh-huh. Bauer. We're trying to get his name right. Um, I think it's Bower. Bower, 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 uh, Renee Bower. Bower. And we're going to, you know what? We're going to, we're going to be interviewing Renee in the second half of the show on how to be a great boss. Yeah. And my partner, Julie and I have been reading this book. Great book. Oh my gosh. I it's mean, fantastic. It's, it's really, really, uh, really good book, especially if you're a boss, but what if yeah. you're not, a, what if you're not a boss? Well, I think I think it's good because well, there's the whole thing. You, you know, you've heard about. I, I mean, I hate this name, but you've heard the Peter Principle yeah. before that you get you get promoted to your point of incompetence. I've not heard that. Do, you've not you've not heard of that. What? Uh -uh. That was man. I've my heard the Peter Principle, but I didn't know what it meant. Maybe I didn't know what it meant. 
Uh, yeah, the, the idea is it's like, hey, you're great at what you're doing. Let's promote you. And it's not okay. because you're great at what you're going to be doing. It's because you're great at what you're doing. Right. So you stop getting promotions once you suck at what you're doing. Oh, I see. It's kind of within the corporate world. So no, I think that this, I think, I mean, a lot of what I've read from this book, I think is great because I, I you know, there's a lot of it is like, are you going to be good at being a boss? Which I think is rampant a rampant problem in the accounting profession oh, there's yeah. so many people it's like you rock at taxes you should be a manager no you shouldn't right because <laughs> listen that's exactly right just because okay so that's like the peter principle you're good at taxes we'll make you a tax manager oh uh, you suck at leading people yeah there's a problem yeah yeah but actually can't. we don't fix those problems in the accounting industry we just keep promoting managers that are really good at multi-state level C corporations for right. startups, for right. funded and, startups. And people wonder why they hate their jobs at right. their, at That's their right. you know, mid-sized regional firm. That's right. It's because nobody, nobody's there because they're awesome at managing. They're there because they're awesome at, at spreadsheets and ultra tax. <laughs> but you know what? There's a way you can grow in being a boss. This book is pretty, pretty awesome. Actually, some of it, we won't get into some of it, but we're going to focus on probably mainly a couple of early chapters, like chapter yeah. two. And I believe we're going to focus on chapter three, which is how yeah. to actually, you know, list out the things you're good at, how to delegate. Um, yes. And and should you even be a boss? <laughs> right. Maybe you you should. should. I you should. should. You told me in a, in a blog post that you should be a boss. I sh I think I'm, I should be a boss. You should be a boss. Me, this is the weird thing. I I I'm great at at individual contribution. I think that's where I excel. I don't I mean I I've I've always been like I will fill a leadership void. Mm. If there's a void of leadership that needs to be filled, I'll go in and I'll take care of it, but that's not my desired position. Okay. But but that gets us to the three uh, the three things of what it takes to be a great boss, like the prereqs right. for being for being a great boss. But and before you even jump into that, what? Before you even jump in, what? <laughs> they he tells you to embrace the word boss. Yes, and I know a lot of people, and me in the past, I've not embraced that word. And he explains, he explain it comes from a some kind of he gave the origin of the word and said. D Dutch, Dutch bass, yeah, B A A S, because the Dutch like just throwing in vowels, vowels. that aren't necessary. Tons of vowels <laughs> in the Dutch language, <laughs> and but the but he says embrace embrace what you are, embrace boss, embrace what it was meant, yeah. and it really is a position that really does lead and care for people. Uh, yeah, and if that's what you are, you should call yourself that and embrace it. Be the boss that you are. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So that Dutch word, it's it it means uh, someone who's responsible for others' well-being, which is which is nuts because usually we think of oh, and this is like Grady's idea of the bosses is like everybody's working for me because <laughs> I'm a boss. Where's my money? I'm a boss. He hit I've us. got my feet kicked up. I'm a boss. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's exactly. not the boss. The boss that's is a servant to no. others. Yeah, which and that's the thing, servant leadership and all that. And one of the quotes uh, from this book is that uh, is is the whole idea of being taking, like you said, taking pride in being a boss because 
if that's if that's your role, you're in charge, so be in charge. That's what he says. Nice. You're in charge, be in charge. And it's like that. I think to me that encapsulates what you say as embracing it. Don't that's don't true. be ashamed of the fact that you're in charge. You're in charge, and people, your people need you to be in charge. And I think that's one of the biggest ways that you take care of them mm. as their. I agree. B-A-A-S Dutch boss. Yeah. And you know, but I hear it's really common in coaching people. People are saying, I want a team member. We want to collaborate. I want a flat organization. People are yeah. really into this stuff now. And all that, a lot of that's good, um, but they really, they don't want to use the term boss. And I've even shied away from it, but it it is a position that cares for people. I'm going to embrace it. Um, and so I'm going to go, every time I see a team member, I'm going to say, by the way, I'm the boss. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell them that. Right. Which I think I <laughs> just kidding. I, well, no, I think that, well, wait a second. I did not know you were kidding. So I feel like a dummy right now, but <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to go tell people I'm the boss, but, but you know but, what? I ain't going to shy away from it. Yeah. You, you, I mean, cause that's the thing. You don't want to lord it over people. No, no. You don't and that's what I meant, but I was kidding. But, but you need to be, you need to be, you need to take the reins. That's a big thing that happens. I mean, this is weird coming from the world of stand up comedy is that a lot of what, a lot of what kills people on stage is that they're not secure in their role of going, I am the leader right now for oh, this wow. show. Wow. I'm in charge. You're okay. You're going to be safe because I got this. Oh, wow. It's like that, that attitude of just going up and going, no, you're, you're 250 people. I'm the leader. I know what's going on. I got this. People need that to be comfortable and to, and to be well taken care of. I love that. Okay. It's so. it's like if you it's like if if a if a pilot comes on a plane and goes, geez, I don't I don't know about this. I don't guy. want y'all to call me a pilot. That's kind of nervous. That makes me nervous. No, no, they're like, I'm the pilot. This is my co-pilot. We got this. We're gonna get Dude, to Omaha. Okay. That is Don't a even- that is a perfect example. The captain can't get on there and go, this is the, well, you know, I'm kind of your friendly, good friend up here. I don't want to say I'm a captain. I, I like a flight. I, I like a flat uh, hierarchy on the airplane. So really, I'm no different than you. Yes, you are. You better be. <laughs> so that is it. No, that's cool. So, so we're the boss. We're the pilot of our firm and people need us to know we're in charge and that we're caring for them and that and that we and that we that we're gonna that we're going that we're not gonna crash the plane (laughs) i love that well okay so 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 some people struggle with boss and in chapter two do you have what it takes they do they dive into helping you know what it takes and like you said earlier they have three components do you get it do you want it and do you have the capacity to do it Right. Get it, yeah. want it, capacity. And you know what they say? Sometimes they shorten it to GWC, the seat. GWC, the seat? Yeah, the seat. Like, Because like, later like, in the book, they like talk about are, what you put your butt in. Yes. Like, do you, are you, do you have the right person in the right seat? Ah, uh, right. And so okay. they're always assessing when, like, there are, there are, um, there are people analyzer tools in chapter four where you can analyze your team. And you're trying to figure out, does your team GWC their seat? Do they get it, want it, and have the capacity to fulfill oh, it? And so right. he's applying okay. that to boss. Do you have? Right. Do you get it? Do you want it? Do you have the capacity to do it? Right. And what they sure. say is, uh, they say, get it and want it are things you have or you don't have. 
Mm -hmm. You have or you don't have it. But the capacity is something you can grow and you can work on. Right. So the get it is basically, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, because this was, I felt, especially when I got to the capacity part, I started wondering if I didn't get the get it part. But but basic, basically the get it is, are are you good at being a boss? I think so. It's I, kind. It's kind of like I knew a dude who I swear he was, he was the tallest mofo that I've ever like known in my <laughs> real life. He was. I think he was like six nine or six ten. Uh, just a gigantic dude. Yeah. And he would talk about how when he was in high school and college, everybody's like, "You on the basketball team? You gonna play basketball?" <laughs> and he's like, "I'm okay at basketball, but I hate it. I hate it." Which, which I guess that's the thing. So that's that's the want it. That's the one it. So he maybe got it because he had the right. he had the height. Right. He had the height to play it. Right. So he's like, I, I can dribble a basketball. I can put my hands up when somebody's right. <laughs> shooting. And I'm six foot nine. Right. I'm so pretty I, good. I I can do it. I can do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's the so, can you do. But that's interesting. Yeah, you could have the get it. Okay. So this basketball player has okay, the get it is the aptitude, natural ability, and thorough understanding of the ins and outs of the job. So do you yeah. do you just understand what your role is as the boss? But you have to want it. You may actually there may be people that that go, I clearly see and understand what it takes to run a company. But right. I do not want to be the leader in the front. Right, right. Ding, ding, ding. That's Greg Kite. Okay, I'm not, there you go. I, so so I, you're saying I, you could have the aptitude, the natural ability. You could step into a leadership role, but you'd want to do that temporarily because you don't want to be there. Yeah, I'd prefer – I mean I think we've even talked about this before. I, I way prefer being uh, Chewbacca to being Han Solo. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, that's, yep. that's what I – that's the role that I that I look for is, is that. And you know what? That uh, Han Solo uh, sometimes he ain't around, and so right. Chewbacca's gotta gotta get into the to the the pilot seat. Uh, but but yeah, I I just don't think for me personally when I look at this, and that's the thing, I don't in terms of teams that I lead. If you want to talk about flat organizations, at yeah. one of the buildings that I manage, yeah. there's me, a maintenance manager. That dude's effing amazing, yeah. and he does not need a leader. Mm. He needs to just be released mm. to do his job because he's just that great of a hire for that position. Wow. The other building, fortunately, I don't really... <laughs> The other building, I've got somebody else who's – I'm just the accountant there. I'm not technically the building manager. And so because of that, I kind of – I kind of – and, and I like that. And I like it because I get to be I get to be the best uh, Wookiee that I can, <laughs> I can be over there. Well, but yeah, I don't really – I don't really want it. I don't want to lead a big team. I don't want to lead a big organization. That, you so. know what? It's cool that you know. I think – like you said, I think if there's managers in accounting firms, they're going to give people a promotion and give them a raise. They're probably going to take it. When, right, because they think really, they want it. Yeah, but but they may not want it. They may not have assessed, do you get it? Pro okay, so probably a tax person that's really good at tax and they become a tax manager, they probably get it. Right. But they yes, may not yes. want it because what we're asking them to do as a manager is to lead people and be a boss. Right. That's okay, what we're so asking them to do with the get it, want it. Okay, so with get it, so here's the thing with the get it, and this is maybe the part that was confusing to me, is that I think there's two parts to get it. And if we're talking about accounting, I think this is it. Where on the first hand, you're not going to be a good boss in accounting if you if you don't know how to do 
the the, the job, te- the technical stuff. Right. 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 If you if you don't know, right. you need to be able to know how to do that because yep. part of it is you're going to get knuckleheads who come into the firm who don't who you are brand new. Yeah. And you got to teach them. And if you don't teach them, you're not going to be a great boss schedule unless you delegate what? it down. I don't unless know about you schedule C. <laughs> right. What is that? What's that? Uh, yeah. And then, and then the other, but the other part is I think you need to get it, not just about the technical aspects of the job and the company, but I think you also need to get it in terms of what is required of you as a boss, mm. specifically the job of boss, not just the job of accountant. Is that, yeah, I think you're right. And I bet there are not many firms that will promote a manager and say, let us help you understand what it means to be a boss and a manager. Right. No, right. that's, we don't teach that. We're like, you're going to have a bunch of people and you're going to review a bunch more tax returns. <laughs> right. Right. Cause that's what boss means is that I check your work before <laughs> exactly. you ship it. That's, that's right. Isn't it? And, but that's not it. That's not that's, right. That's no. not it. And, and I I was failed at my firm because I don't feel like I had good bosses. And and you uh, know I keep using the word leader. I, I think I think I would interchange the word boss and leader. I think what we're trying you, to this book is trying to help people be better leaders. Okay, and, I don't know if that's the discussion we want to get into because I but I put some brain power into that. Is is boss are boss and leader two different things? Okay, and, and I think. I think that they are two different things, but I think how to be a great boss is when the boss is a leader. Mm. I think you can be a boss and not be a leader. I think you can be a leader and not be a boss, but I think the best boss is someone who's a boss and a leader. Okay. Because, because <laughs> Dude, a leader- thought about that. I have, because here's the thing. I think a boss is someone who had who has paid followers. And I think a leader is someone who has followers who are following uh, of their own- volition, oh, regardless of any incentive that's given to them by the leader. Like they now, need a what, tribe or something. Exactly. Like there's not, but the best bosses are people who go, I'd follow this guy even if I wasn't getting a paycheck. Ah, okay. Now that's the, interesting. And that's, I, I think that's me. That's my own brain going through this. And I think that's where, uh, that's where we get back to the whole thing of, um, Oh shoot! Now it just escaped my mind. We talked about it at the beginning of the show, but it's like uh, you want people to want to be working for you, right? And that's when you're a great boss. I is see. when you okay. got that. Well, okay. So, well, okay. Well, that's a good distinction. This book so, is for people who have employees that are entrepreneurs that are leading companies that they own. Right. Oh, that's right. That, it, it's it's the whole thing. You don't want to lord. You don't want to go around going, "Hey, suckers, right, right. I'm the boss," because people are like, "Oh no, I don't need to know that because I want to follow you anyways." That's where I was going. Okay, that. that's good. So sorry, sorry. De- I I derailed myself, and then when I got myself back on the rails, I derailed you. So let- <laughs> well, but but that's an interesting talk between boss and leader, and and I hadn't yeah. thought about it. So so okay. So what what they say in this is to get it and want it, maybe deal breakers. To be a uh-huh, boss right, because right. you have them or you don't. If you don't have them, then you don't get to be a boss. But they said capacity can be solved. You can work on that. And then they give four right. different types of capacity. Yeah. Like yep. these are the capacity issues you can solve. Um, and, you know, I guess let me just say, you know, my journey in being a boss uh, of our firm was I get it. I knew it and I wanted it. I think I had yeah. a lot of capacity things that I worked through the past couple of years about, do I have the 
uh, capacity, and the four are emotional capacity, intellectual capacity, physical capacity, time capacity. I think I was running into some capacity issues of, you know, and that's yeah. kind of some stuff I went through in the past year about going, whoa, I'm overwhelmed. Well, the past two years, and that's really what led me to to seek out a partner because of I just didn't have the capacity, and now and now I clearly see that I have I have the capacity because my partner's been able to help me clearly define what even my role is. Uh, and it's not, it used to be, I do everything and you can't, that's just not how you can grow a company. So we figured out what my role is. So now I can really focus on the emotional, intellectual, physical, and time capacity just for the role that I'm supposed to fulfill as the boss. Right. Okay. So, so you're saying that when you got, let me, let me see if I, if I'm following you, you're saying you got a partner and by having that partner, you were then able to prune away the things oh, that man. you maybe shouldn't have been doing yes. as a leader. And and I don't because again with partners, we're, we're again we're talking flat. You and your you and Julie, mm-hmm. you're not there, there's not necessarily a hierarchy Mm-mm, there. No. But at the same time, there was a lot of stuff that she was able to take off your plate, so that then that gave you the capacity to be a great boss yeah. to follow these other things that maybe were that you just you didn't have the capacity. That's right. Well, it was because because it was spent in other places. Oh yeah. Well, I was basically doing a visionary role, which is the uh-huh, leadership right. vision role of the company, and the integrator role. Okay. These terms you'll you'll hear them in the book Rocket yeah. Fuel. You know, we've talked also about that. By, Gene Wickman. Yeah, Gino Wickman and Gino Wick. Uh, yeah, and uh, Mark C. Winters wrote that book with Gino yeah. Wickman, Rocket Fuel. So, so I was doing both of those roles, and yeah. so Julie came along, and she is this integrator that just is <laughs> like extremely good at that planning and strategy, and and I just couldn't do it. I did. I couldn't right. do details. I was not good at it. I yeah. can't. I'm not good at managing money. I'm not good at that. <laughs> what? I'm not. What? I'm oh. not. Yeah, dude. Well, that, I'm not good she, at that. At home, my wife does it at home. Yeah, and Inter- very, very interesting. I'm, I'm, but, I'm, I'm spilling all my guts, man. You are spilling all your guts, but you're a visionary. That's, that's what your, I am. That's your role. Okay, so here's one of the things. So, so sorry, this might backtrack us a little bit, but back to the want it part. Yeah. To be a good, like to want it. If you because we we're talking about like if somebody's offered a a, a promotion and a raise to go from being a staff accountant to being a manager or a partner or whatever, yeah. they might go, Oh yeah, I want that. I've always wanted to be a partner. Not, but not because they want to do it. It's because they want the stuff that comes with it. Oh, but, but, but is something is, is wanting it like is really wanting it, having a vision for the company. Is that, necessary for the wanted part of it because that's again when i read your blog post that you pushed out in february about this stuff i was going you know what jason he's got a heart to to create his business yep. to to make a a business that everybody he and his employees and his customers can be proud of is that a requisite is that part of the want it well, part of it, is having that robust vision? I, that's that's good. Let's define what they mean by want it. So in the book, they say you have to ask yourself if you want it, that you genuine, genuinely desire the job of being a great boss. No one talked right. you into it or begged you to take it. No one promised you a raise, a bonus, or a company. You might have a bad day or two. That's normal. But the challenges and obstacles energize you 
you enjoy overcoming those obstacles so that they don't wear you down. So that's kind of their definition of wanting. You got to truly okay. want that's. But so I would say no. It's not. Do you want the stuff that comes with being a boss? It's, right. Do you want to yeah. lead people? Exactly. And I think that's what he's lead shedding. He's trying to. Yeah, he's trying to shed here. It's not. It's not the accoutrements that come with being right, a boss. Right. You don't. I mean, everybody wants a nice office and a you know and an admin to run their copies for them or right. whatever. And that is not what this <laughs> book is about. It's not. That's not the wanted part of it. But and I guess that's the thing because it's like, do you generally desire the job of being a great boss? And I think a lot of what that means is it's not. I mean, obviously, do you want to do a great job? Do you want to do a great job at being a boss? But I think a lot of how you're evaluated as being a great boss is do your employees think you're a great boss? So that's the other part of it is where it's like you want other – it goes back to taking care of people. I want to make sure my team gets taken care of. Yeah. And do you really want that? And and I think part of being a great boss is also includes vision for what – uh, for what your company can be and what your team can be and what you can do. Well, def- so. definitely like in the CEO role, it does. I guess though, we're saying you can be, you can want the role of a manager, which is a boss uh-huh. and, but, and maybe you don't you have to us- do, the, you don't have to do the vision part. Right. Right. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, yeah. So, okay. but Good. well, and you know what, we're defining who this book for. I I would say this book, well, this book is probably good for managers that are bosses uh-huh. inside of companies that have owners. Uh-huh. But, but they may not be owners. But this book is really good for people who have the ability to lead and run their own company. It's the firm owners right. that are listening, yeah, that are the owner, that are the leader, that could right. really get a lot out of this book. And um, and there, if you're a firm owner, you better have a vision. So yeah, I guess that that's that right. puts that. To, yeah. Okay. So a compelling vision. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the capacities. I feel like I've I've uh, taken us away from that. So uh, of those, so emotional capacity, intellectual capacity, physical capacity, and time capacity. Of those four, when somebody says, "Do you have the capacity to be a leader?" I assume what they're talking about is the time. Time. That's what I think. But yeah. But but these what of those other three emotional, intellectual, and physical capacity? What do you think are the, what do you think is the most important one of those for you? What's what has been? Has it been physical capacity, and that's why you do push ups so much? You do a lot. Of <laughs> well, I don't think it's intellectual because I can do the intellectual pieces. Um, okay, I th- I think in the past what I've struggled with is probably the emotional capacity to do the job that I was doing. What I didn't know is that I was doing the wrong role. Heck yeah. And I didn't know that till I got a partner that I could share this load. And now the, the only role I do is the visionary piece. And it is the piece that I have the emotional capacity for and I, that I want the operational stuff, man, I didn't have any kind of capacity for that, but I was trying to lead it and do it. Uh, and it really, it really was overwhelming me. Um, right. So for me, uh, I, and I think because I was doing all the operational stuff before I had a partner too, time capacity was an issue. I didn't have time to do the vision and the operations. Right. Um, sure. But emotional capacity was, I, I struggled to go, is this, you know, can I lead in this way? But now right. that the role has been structured, my role, my role has been structured correctly and accurately. It's like, yeah, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I've got the yeah. intellectual uh, and now I've got the time. We figured that out too, because yeah. all these operations, Julie has taken those on. Um, and so now, 
emotionally, I have what it takes to give myself to this role because it is the role I'm best made for. Right. I don't know gotcha. if, if all that makes sense, but no, I, th- I think it doesn't. I think the light bulb that came on in my head was that maybe, and maybe, you know, and I don't know, I, I again, I want to, I want to try to make this specific to accounting, but it's probably the same for everybody yeah. is I think a lot of people view a, a leadership role, a boss role. And again, like we said, the best boss is one who is a boss and a leader. Um, and and they go, yeah, I get it that you have to the intellectual part. You gotta you gotta have strategies. You gotta be smart enough. You gotta be real, well read. Leaders are readers. That's right. something that I. It's a nice rhyme that I always throw out there. But one of the things I think people don't really uh, buy into not not buy into, but maybe don't don't keep in the forefront of their heads is that you do need an emotional investment yes. into your role as a boss. You do. It's like. And and I think I, I don't know, and I don't even know if I can express like what the light bulb that went on in my head, right? But it's and, and I wonder if that's part of me and the want it part is that I go, you know what? I don't I don't want to have the emo I don't want the that's emotional good. investment in a boss role is maybe something that I shy away from. That, that is, might be part of what's not there for the want that, it. Part. That that is good. You know that's good, and I think. I think maybe that's pretty, that's cool why Gino and Renee, when they wrote this book, they broke down capacity because when we see capacity, you and I both think time. Time, yeah. There is an emotional component to it and you have to assess that piece. Do you have the capacity to give your emotions, maybe maybe at this time in your life even? Yeah. Do you have the emotional care and ability to give that emotion Mm -hmm. to what it takes to be a leader, a boss? And maybe, maybe, maybe you don't now. And so- you, mm-hmm. then you're you're lacking in a capacity, mm-hmm. even if yeah, you have to get it wanted. Good. That's deep stuff, brother. Because you're now, that's, you're saying maybe maybe that's the piece of the capacity I don't want to make the commitment to. Right. right, but that's the other thing with these capacities. The capacities aren't aptitudes. They're not, these are things you can grow. Right. You can grow your emotional capacity right. for for the job. I, I, again, it's got to be rooted in this, this idea that you really want to be a great boss. Right. But so, so that's, that's kind of, you know, that's the, the, the ante to get into this, this poker game. But once you're there, you've also got to go, no, I got to double down on my emotional commitment to my people, to the job, to the, to the firm, to all of it. You know, and we're going to, we're going to have to go get Renee on the horn in a minute, but let me, let me just say this to people who are listening that go, okay, I've got the get it. I know what the boss requires because I'm the owner. Yeah. And, and I want it. I want to be a good leader. But maybe you're struggling with the capacity. You're struggling with the emotional capacity. I guess we can say, you know, that changes over time. Capacity changes through seasons of your life, too. Mm-hmm. And so that's okay. So you can grow in it. So don't think, I don't have the emotional capacity. It might be that you're doing too much, like I was in my firm. I was doing the visionary and the integrator pieces when I would had no business doing the details. Uh-huh. That really needed to be somebody else, and when we figured right. that out, it was like, boom! Now, yeah. now I can commit the emotional capacity to only what I'm supposed to be doing, and it's a new season in my life to be able to do that. And I couldn't have done it until we had restructured our companies with a with a partnership role to bear right. that burden with me. Totally, and a lot of that capacity. I mean, I know we didn't get into the delegating part of this, but just to touch on that real quick, yep. so much of that capacity comes from delegating. Yep. And I really like the simplicity that they have in this book of like what you should delegate. It's like 
list all the all the crap you do, anything that you don't like doing, delegate that crap. <laughs> and it's like, duh, uh, of course that's what you should well, do. If there's that, something I don't like doing, get somebody else to do it. <laughs> of course. Well, maybe I they help maybe you. I am a boss because I love that. <laughs> well, they they structure it, they help you a little more. So in chapter three, uh delegate and elevate. They do give you on page 26 this quadrant thing, which is you can put the list of things you do in quadrant one, which is love doing it and great at doing it. Quadrant two, which is like doing it and good at doing it. Quadrant three, which is don't like doing it and but good at doing it. Number four is don't like doing it and not good at doing it. And they said, if <clears throat> if you just list all the crap you do and sort them into those quadrants, you're going to figure out what you should be delegating. Yeah, you know? Exactly. So yep. stuff you hate and you're not good at it, you probably don't need to be doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. If you hate it and you suck at it, let's get that off your of plate. Of course, get that out of your <laughs> But I you're like saying that's pretty basic though, right? It's like, yeah, but, yeah but that's also, good. Yeah. Yeah. But also life's too short. Anything you don't like doing and you, if you can push that on, because obviously if you're a sole prop firm owner, there's not really anybody to delegate it to, but that could be right. your goal to go. That's right. Uh, oh, I, my life is too short, so I'm going to find somebody who does like and is good at doing the stuff that I don't like and that I'm not well, good at. So let's you, get that. So you, that, know what, you know what that speaks to? It means if you're a sole proprietor firm and you want to grow as a leader, you, you need to build a team. Yeah. Building a team do. is your path towards being able to get it, want it, have the capacity because other people can now help you. And then you can go through the process of delegating and elevating uh, other people to do the things that they're great at. Um, so, yeah. you know, building right. a team lets you, but obviously you can't be a boss without a team. Right. So, right. Right. You know, so go out yeah. there and build a team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good advice. We need to get some more advice and it's time for us to go get Renee on the phone so that he can tell us what, uh, how we screwed all this up. Does that sound? It's going to be awesome. Yeah, he's going to clarify what we've just oh. told y'all. So, right. All right. Here, okay. we, here we go. Here he comes. Okay. We have on the phone the author of How to Be a Great Boss, Renee Boer. Renee, sorry we said your name wrong in the first part of the podcast. So we just have to <laughs> apologize for that. That's all right. So thank you so much for being on the Thrivecast. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. So we just we just want to um, dive into some of the questions that were related to this book. Um, and, you know, one thing Greg and I talked about at in the first part of our interview was the word boss. And I think it's kind of popular right now for people not to call themselves a boss or to have a flat structure to be collaborative or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, but but leaders don't want to be bosses sometimes. But you guys say, listen, embrace the term, embrace what it means. Um, so why do people need to get over their fear of the word boss. <laughs> well, yeah. So, you know, we were talking earlier that my origin is Dutch and the word boss is actually a Dutch word, mm. uh, boss, which has been around for over 200 years. And it was originally meant as a title of respect for nice. a person in charge. And when we think about it that way, a title of respect for a person in charge we should be embracing that. And it's just unfortunate that, um, you know, that it's gotten a lot of other negative terms attached, yeah. but, but when you think about it that way, you know, we're bosses, right? And, right, uh, right. We should, and we shouldn't take that title for granted. 
And I think part of the uh, reason why the word boss has gotten such a bad rap is because there's so many people who are because everybody can list a bad boss that they've had. And and your whole book is about not just being a good boss, but being a great boss. Is that is the whole idea of being a great boss is I mean, how I guess how do you how do you determine like if I'm trying to assess if I'm a great boss? Is that an internal assessment or is that something that when I'm trying to be a great boss, that means I want my employees to feel, I want the people that I'm leading to feel like I'm a great boss. Where does that assessment come from? Yeah, it comes from the people you lead. And, you know, think about it that way. Uh, Some people have the attitude of, hey, listen, I'm the boss. I demand respect. Mm. Uh, Good luck with that. (laughs) Versus. (laughs) That did work. Versus. you know, the reason I'm a great boss is my people feel like they're getting what they need and, uh, and, and you genuinely are respected. And I've worked for some great bosses, uh, but I've also worked for some not so great bosses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, fortunately for me, I can remember the great ones. I don't spend a lot of time dwelling on the bad ones. Nice. So, so really the, if you, if you get it, want it, have the capacity to become a boss and you own your own company, you, you are going to be a boss, but really how well you're doing is an assessment that your people make of you. Not if, not that you would formally have them grade you, but whether you're a good boss or not has, is fully in the hands of your team. That's, that's right. And so, you know, when you think about the formula for being a great boss, uh, it's, it's just simply, doing five things really well as a leader and doing five things really well as a manager. And so to the extent that you provide your people with great leadership practices and great management practices, you end up creating this environment where people are holding themselves accountable. You know, you're not sitting there having to look over everybody's shoulder. And, uh, and on that was really the crux of the, of the book, how to be a great boss. Okay, well, I think we need to jump into those five, the five things, the five and five. Lay those on us because we didn't, we didn't touch on those at all in the part that we were yeah. talking about. Okay, yeah, those are good. Yeah, so you know, think about, uh, you know, people read books on leadership and management all the time, and there's probably been thousands written, and we just tried to really simplify it. So starting with leadership, uh, five things great leaders do really well is they start by giving clear direction. And unfortunately, I think a lot of bosses look at that as, well, just tell people what to do. But when we're talking about giving clear direction, what we mean is to really create an opening and uh, an opening for people. So think of an opening as a sort of vacuum that must be filled. And the best way to do that is giving clear direction through a compelling vision of where the organization's going, why it's important, and how we're going to get there. And that creates an opening that has to be filled. And so think about a really compelling, uh, ultimate, big, hairy, audacious goal for your company. You're creating a vacuum when you lay that on people. Wow. And that creates lots of opportunity for people. You know, I just think back in my career, I joined Pizza Hut before – it was a coast-to-coast organization, uh, and the Carney brothers did a great job of creating that vision of we are going to be an international company. Well, who the heck wouldn't want to be part of that organization? Wow. So that's that's clear direction. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. So so you're basically saying if you're if you have good people on your team and you 
you you give them a, a compelling vision for where you're headed and what their role will what what role it will play. Right. They're gonna they're gonna step good people will step into that vacuum and wanna be part of that. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. I, yeah. I have felt that vacuum before with certain bosses that I've had where they're they're showing me, oh, we need to do this. We here's the places we're trying to go. And my mind's going, oh, here I mean, I, like you said, I automatically go, oh, that means I should do I mean, I'm making my own to-do list just listening to him, and I'm getting antsy to get out of the meeting so I can start getting the stuff done. That's that's kind of what you're talking about with that vacuum and that vision, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and my and Gino Wickman, the co-author of of How to Be a Great Boss, and the creator of EOS, uh, ten years ago when I joined the organization, and I was one of the first implementers. His vision for EOS was to have ten thousand privately owned companies running with EOS, and that was at a time when we had maybe a hundred companies in total. Yeah, I mean wow. that's a big, hairy, audacious goal. And so here we are years later and we're pushing 4,000 companies. I mean, it's within sight. It's within sight. That's awesome. So what's number two? Well, number two is if you get people all ginned up about where you're going, uh, you got to provide them with the necessary tools. And so that's the resources, the training, the technology. And most importantly, as a boss, you've got to give people your time and attention. And that's, providing necessary tools. Okay. I think, I think I that's, that. that's been a struggle for a lot of people. And it, and it has been for me is that being a leader means giving your team, your time to your team. And in the book, you do say that's the greatest thing you could give them, right? Exactly. Exactly. But the fact is a lot of bosses just don't have the time to be able to give that kind of attention, which gets us to the third leadership practice and this is all about letting go of the fine. And the problem is that most bosses are just holding on way, way, way too tight. And they just feel like they, they've just got to hang on to everything and control everything. And that's debilitating for really good people. So letting go of the vine means uh, you got to let go of some head trash as a boss and delegate things that you've been holding on to that you really shouldn't be holding on to. And then the other problem with being able to let go is sometimes you just don't have right people in the right seats. Mm. So you have to have a combination of understanding what you need to delegate and having people to delegate it to. And then with that in place, you just got to get out of the way. You got to let people run with it. Right, right. Yeah. So where so does where, the 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 analogy of the vine? Because for some reason, all I can think about with that is like Tarzan on a <laughs> on a tree branch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that the vine, or is, am I getting the wrong analogy for that? No, that's a pretty good analogy. But no, think about it. Uh, you know, Gino tells the story of the guy that's walking along the edge of a cliff, and all of a sudden he slips and falls, and he is plummeting down his vertical face, and all of a sudden there's this little vine growing out of the rocks, and he latches hmm. onto it. And he's hanging on for dear life. Well, think about that guy as the boss, hanging on for dear life. So he looks up and he he looks up. It's probably a couple hundred feet up, a couple hundred feet down. So he looks up and he says, is there anybody up there? And a voice booms down from the, cloud, from the clouds and says, do you believe? And the guy says, well, yeah, what do I have to lose? Of course I believe. And the voice says, then let go of the vine. 
our guy looks up and says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> so it, it sounds easy, but this is probably one of the most difficult things for leaders to do. And if they can't let go of the vine, they're just not going to be an effective. Mm. Okay, okay. So that leads me to my next question. Isn't a, is, is a great boss, someone who does not, I mean, are you trying to delegate to the point where the only work you do is management and leadership work and you're actually, you're not doing any of the actual pick and shovel work of the company? Is that the goal or is there more of a balance or does that just depend uh, on a case by case basis, a business by business basis? Yeah. So you're really close there. I, I, I think, you know, we all have uh, a unique ability. You know, things that we absolutely love to do and we happen to be great at doing. And unfortunately, most of us never take the time to really delve into that and discover what that unique ability is. We find ourselves doing a lot of things that we happen to be good at, but at the end of the day, we really don't like to do them. You uh-huh. know, we've just been doing them for so long, we've gotten comfortable. So, being able to delegate everything away except the things that you love to do and are great at. And hopefully a lot of those things are leadership and management related, because if they're not, that ought to tell you that maybe you're not cut out to be a very good boss. (laughs) True. Right. But assuming that they are, and you were in that position where all you had to do is just provide leadership and management to your people. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh yeah. But again, I guess ultimately it depends on what you want, right? It depends on the kind of company you're building, how large you want it to be. Because, I mean, if if you're going to be a you know a smaller accounting firm with ten people, there might be some pick and shovel work, as Greg says, that uh, even as the CEO you'll still be involved in some. Oh sure. Um, but you're saying more and more as you let go of the vine, which basically means kind of letting go of your company, letting it run in the way that it's supposed to. Uh, you're more and more as the leader going to be pushed into the CEO role, which is pushed into this visionary uh, role of boss to care for people. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Yep. I guess I would say maybe the ideas because we talked, uh, Renee, we talked a lot about in the first part the get it and the want it uh, part of being a leader. But yeah, if you if you really get it and you really want it, then I could see you going. Yeah, I would like to delegate everything else except the leadership and management parts of it. So yeah, that, yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. So you're, you're saying if you want to delegate everything else except leadership and management, that's probably a good indicator that you're in the right, that you're in the right role for you. Right. Right. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I think this is, uh, you know, something that's a bit of a revelation as I have done workshops with groups really talking about this topic. There are people in the room who get to the end that just realize, you know what, uh, I'm really not cut out to be a boss. That's not what I wow. love to do. And you know what? Good for you. Good for you. I've had owners of companies that have said, you know what I really love to do is sell. I don't want to run a sales group. I don't want to be a salesman. I just want to sell. And, you know, can I actually do that? Well, sure you can. Find someone who can step in and run the day-to-day of your business so you don't have to. And boy, I tell you what, these people are a lot happier, a lot more fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But think about being able to just uh, let your ego, put your ego aside for a minute and say, I'm just focusing on what I love to do and what I'm great at. Nice. So what, so what's the fourth, uh, f- 
uh, of the five leadership practices. Yeah, so if you've done those three really well, then the other thing is your people are always watching you. Every decision you make, every action you take, it's got to be with the greater good in mind. So if you're always acting with the greater good in mind, uh, setting that example, that is a key leadership ability. That's a key leadership skill. And, and does that does that mean basically don't don't run the company in a selfish way where everybody can tell you're you're milking the company for your own personal purposes? That's not gonna want make anybody want to follow you Ex- as a boss. Exactly. So if if it's you know what's good for you, but not what's good for the company, that's just not going to work. And think about it. Every once in a while, as a boss, you have a you have to make tough decisions, and if you've built some confidence in your people that you always make decisions with the greater good in mind. When those really tough decisions come, people realize that, hey, you know what? We know that was a tough decision, but he or she made it because it's the right thing for the company. Right. Uh, and that, so what's that fifth? Oh, go ahead, Greg. Well, I was just going to say that's how you build culture too, is oh. when you you make tough decisions and you create a story out of this whole thing where it's like, no, I could have I could have made a decision that would have – uh, that would have benefited me, but not the company. But I. But when you clearly make a decision that's selfless, that is for the greater good, that's when people go, "Oh, hey, look at this! The guy in charge is doing is ma- is making right choices." That's what we stand for because that becomes part of the story, part of the culture of your firm. So I I get that, and I I love that idea. Yeah, yeah, and that gets us to the last leadership practice, and uh, this is what we call taking clarity breaks. And a clarity break is an opportunity for the boss to get out of the weeds, get out of the day-to-day, schedule time to think. And when you think about thinking, it's the hardest thing there is to do, which is, as Henry Ford said, why so few people engage in it. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) But, but, But the fact is, sometimes as leaders, uh, we're so buried in the day-to-day that we don't take the time to just rise above the business, really look at it from a different perspective. And boy, there's an opportunity to assess, uh, am I happy with my life? Am I happy with my business? Are there things that I ought to be thinking about a little differently? Uh, this could be a very, very powerful thing. Okay. So, so clarity break is when you're taking the time to reflect on yourself in your role as boss and a clarity break is not necessarily where you just take a few hours to drink a lot of Everclear. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. not a time to get together and you know, just sit down and go through your to-do list. Right. <laughs> right. So, so this okay. is really working on the business and boy, when you, when you make that a practice where you're saying, okay, I'm going to find the perfect place where I'm not going to be interrupted uh, and just taken whether it's an hour a week or half a day a month, whatever works to just clear everything and sit down and really think about your business. Uh, boy, there've been some really powerful things that have come out of that. Yeah. People come back with great ideas. They're refreshed. They re- they've restored their confidence because sometimes being a boss, you know, it's a bit of a beat down, you know, you, you're, yeah. you're hard on yourself. And so this is an opportunity to see things a little differently. Very yeah. cool. All right, so let's dive into the five management practices because um, we want to get those before before we're done. We only got another probably 15 minutes. Okay, perfect. So five management practices. The first one starts with keeping expectations clear. And expectations clear means it's a two-way street. So 
the direct reports need to be clear on your expectations of them, but also vice versa applies. You need to be clear on their expectations of you. And when you have that and you've got clear expectations, uh, rarely would you ever have to fire anybody. Right? Oh, wow. Because if they can't meet your expectations or you can't meet theirs, uh, there's usually some sort of a parting of the way, right? People just okay. realize, hey, this isn't a good fit. I, the organization can't meet my expectations. And at the same time, you know, they're not meeting yours. Does that make sense? It it does. What is there a difference then? Because the the first thing you talked about with the with the leadership attributes is giving clear direction. So can you differentiate between clear direction versus clear expectation? I, obviously, sure. there must be a lot of overlap. Yeah. Well, also clear expectations in terms of uh, the role that they play in the organization. Expectations in terms of how they behave. So are they really supporting the culture and living the core values of your organization? Expectations in terms of are they delivering on the priorities that they've set for themselves, the goals that they have? Are they delivering on metrics, you know, the measurables? Mm -hmm. So that's expectations. And if we're not keeping those things crystal clear, things get real fuzzy Right. And that's when bad things start to happen. Gotcha. So the direction is more your compelling vision. Like you're saying, hey guys, here's my here's here's the thing that that's gonna juice us all up and get us all excited about coming to work. The expectations are now here's exactly here's the things that I need you to do to make as 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 your boss, I'm the guy in charge. So here's the here's the expectations I have on you, and here's what you can expect from me because this is how we're all going to get in line to go towards that compelling vision. Is that exactly. it? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And then the next management practice is all about being a really good communicator. So it's communicating well, and this too is a two way street. And what I've observed uh, with communication is, uh, and the reason that we have so many breakdowns is. Uh, lots of times we just make assumptions. And when you think mm. about a lot of the the uh, conversations that are being held around water coolers and hallways, most of those conversations are around assumptions. And so sometimes as a manager, uh, we see something and we tend to just sort of ignore it and we start making assumptions. Uh, and boy, when you start doing that, it's a slippery slope, right? And, and so, so what you... So what you say in that practice number two is you guys, you and Gino really teach people how to ask questions to kind of get cut through those assumptions, right? To ask, just ask really good coaching type questions. Exactly. And, you know, what most people do, though, is they spend a lot of time telling people what to do. Uh, You got to stop that and really think about your question to statement ratio. So if you are uh, asking and listening more than you're telling uh, what's going to end up happening is when you start asking people questions and they start answering them, they'll talk themselves into, <laughs> into doing things. Wow. Right? Just have to ask questions. And, uh, and again, that's a two way street. And, you know, there's just some suggestions on what you can do to make sure that you're clearly understanding each other. And the one that I really like is, uh, echoing because let's face mm-hmm. it, uh, it's really difficult, especially in the heat of the moment, to get your words exactly right. Right. And so you're having a conversation and you're, say, you're telling someone something. 
when you get done, it's always good to ask, could you just repeat back what I just told you? And you might find out that they heard it completely differently than how you intended it. You know, or, uh, hey, what I heard you say was, is that right? Uh, sometimes you didn't hear it right. And no, so just, just to slow it down a little bit, make sure you're no. on the same. Is that practice number two where you guys talk about the thump thump, which is kind of a description of the miscommunication that happens in companies when you're trying to communicate well? Yeah, exactly. So that that's all part of telling, right? You're, you're, if you're telling, uh, as you listen to yourself talk, you think, man, this is great. I uh, This is the best <laughs> message ever. And sometimes people just aren't getting it. So in your in your head, it sounds like a perfect symphony, and all they hear is thump, thump, thump. You know, they're mm-hmm. just not getting it. Right, right. And the echoing is is how you is just the confirmation that no, I'm getting across. You got what I you were you you, you were smelling what I was stepping in. We got we all <laughs> yeah. we all got the same. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is what is that a Carolina saying? <laughs> it, it, it's it's a it's a Utah saying. Oh, so, yeah. okay, all right. yeah. Yeah. All right. It, but we would say that the Carolinas too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, the third one is uh, having a really good meeting pulse with each one of your direct reports. And that's mm. just ensuring that you're keeping the circles connected. And sometimes uh, what happens is we're so busy doing the job that we really don't keep the circles connected. And that's when relationships get frayed. So it's just having the right kind of meeting pulse. And within EOS, we teach kind of a, a weekly uh, meeting pulse for the uh, boss and his direct reports. We call it a level 10 meeting. Yeah. Uh, and it's you typically 90 minutes. And that's usually all that we need for a meeting pulse when things are really working well. But sometimes you have new people uh, that need a little bit more frequency. So it's just getting the right meeting pulse to keep circles connected. And that, and that meeting pulse has a lot to do with um, – you know, the, the thing you said earlier in the leadership, which is giving your time to your team, your, your time is going to be half to made available to your team. Uh, and doing it in meetings is one way you're going to give your time away. Right. That's right. Which then gets us to the fourth management practice. And this is kind of part of that meeting pulse, but we call this just having the quarterly conversation. And the way, the way this works is Every quarter, you're getting together with your direct report, and it's really their meeting with you lasts about 30 to 45 minutes. And the purpose of that meeting is to strengthen the relationship, to really get out of the day-to-day and talk about uh, that relationship at a higher level. So we're not mm-hmm. getting into uh, you know what are you doing or not doing on a weekly basis. It's right. more about a conversation around what's working and what's not working around our relationship, are we on the same page, core values, the role of the job, same kinds of things that we uh, that we mentioned earlier. Okay, uh, so that that's turning me on a lot because uh we're one of the things this was kind of an epiphany that I had when Jason and I were talking before we got you on the phone was was the whole idea of the emotional commitment because you talk about emotional capacity in the mm-hmm. book and 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 I got that to the point of it's like we we don't a lot of times when we think about the role of being a boss we don't realize that there's an emotional commitment that we're making to the company to our people and it sounds like what you're talking right about right here 
with the quarterly conversation is you're going, you're, I mean, maybe you're not completely explicit with it, but you're at least saying, Hey, there's an emotional, there, there is an emotional interplay between us. There's an emotional, uh, a thing that's going on. So you're trying to make sure that emotional side of the job is being taken care of. Is that, is that what you're saying is yeah. the, the function of these? Yes. And, and, you know, think about, uh, this usually freaks out the HR people a lot because <laughs> we're going to get together and we're going to have a quarterly conversation. And the first question that comes up is, well, you're going to document it, right? Right. Doesn't that seem a little disingenuous? If we're going to yeah. have a conversation, doggone it, it's just a conversation. Uh, it's okay to take notes, but we're more focused on the relationship and we're not focused on filling out a bunch of forms. Wow. And, and that, that's the whole idea here. And there's something magical about 90 days. Cause if you sat down and this was what I would encourage your listeners to do is sit down with each direct report and say, let's get our calendar out right now. Uh, every quarter, we're going to just pick a date. We're going to sit down uh, over a cup of coffee, go over, go, maybe go out to lunch. We're not going to do this in the office. We're just going to have a conversation. Boy, if you could get that rolling, what does that tell your direct report? Right? You care about them. Absolutely. And if you do that really well, and think about how all this dovetails together. If you do that really well, you should rarely have a situation where uh, your relationship has gone completely off the rails. Mm. <laughs> you know, where you're going to catch it before it gets bad, I guess. You're going to fix the relationship before it gets really frayed. And, you know, 90 days is about as long as we as humans can go, right? Before uh -huh. the relationship really gets frayed. Mm. So to wrap us up, what's that fifth practice on management practice? Yeah, so the fifth one is all about rewarding and recognizing, which, quite frankly, lots of managers aren't very good at. We spend so much time trying to fix stuff and deal with issues that we just don't take time to, to recognize and reward people for positive performance. And that's as simple as just saying thank you. Yeah. Right? The best recognition programs cost very little money, in fact, hardly any money. And they don't require any administrative work. <laughs> so <laughs> borrow from Napoleon Bonaparte, who said that a soldier will uh, toil long and hard for a little strip of yellow ribbon. <laughs> it's it's yeah, so yeah. true. It's so true. And then, you know, recognizing bad uh, uh, behavior and bad performance quickly, too. So, you know, criticize in private, praise in public. That's about rewarding and recognizing. Right. right. That, that reminds me of something uh, my boss, a, a former boss, used to say to me, and he was like, deliver bad news quickly. And there. I think that's part of it is if there is, if you did recognize some bad behavior, don't don't even wait a beat to address it immediately because that's, that's when you have your power. Uh, it seems to me also that if you're sitting there going, gosh, reward and recognize good behavior and you go, gosh, I don't know if I'm seeing a whole lot of good behavior that I should recognize and reward. Probably, probably a time to start thinking about your hiring policies <laughs> right. at that point. So yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So it all dovetails together. You do the five uh, leadership practices really well and you do the five management practices really well. You really do create an environment where people will hold themselves accountable. Boy, that's that's cool. much, much well, better I, organization to be in. Yeah. I've got one last question for you before we go. Um, this was probably, I'm going to say maybe, gosh, it was a while ago. This might have been 15 years ago where Pizza Hut crust was my favorite crust. What's yeah. changed with Pizza Hut's crust over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I haven't been in the in the organization for over twenty years, but I can okay. you, yeah, but I can tell you that in the beginning, all all of the dough was made in store, fresh mm. every day, and over time, you know, that no longer became the case. So a lot of things are done ahead of time, and you know, it's like anything. I would go to the Pizza Hut All You Could Eat Lunch Buffet. And I would gorge myself beyond reasonable <laughs> limits, uh, and it was all because of the crust. So, yeah. I, and now, and now I need to. Now I know the guy I need to thank. <laughs> thank you, Renee, for making that for making it so, so hard. Yeah, right. yeah Greg, I can tell you that you were my favorite customer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right well, this on. is awesome, Renee. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. This this book is a is a great book. I hope. I mean, I think it's for people who own their own company as a boss. It's probably for people who are managers inside of companies owned by other people, wouldn't you say anybody's going to get a, a benefit from it? Exactly. Yeah. And if, if uh, your listeners want to learn more, uh, you know, visit our website, tractionprocess.com. Uh, the book, how to be a great boss is available on Amazon and uh, you know, shoot me an email, uh, Renee at tractionprocess.com. Love to hear from people on this subject. Hey, cool. Love it. Thanks again, Renee, for being with us. Hey, thank you. Take care. Okay, Renee Boer. We got his name wrong the first part of the podcast, Greg. I know, but now now we know better. And it's all because of the, the Dutch. The Dutch. Uh, you got to love the Dutch. Their words are strange. Uh, <laughs> they are. Do, They're just weird. We love them. We love Renee. Thank, we, it, it, that was great stuff in terms of the all the, the stuff he walked us through in terms of how to, how to be awesome as a boss. Uh, got some good stuff on Secret Stash oh, too. Yeah. So come back in December oh, to yeah. hear the uh, the extra fun that he he laid down on for there. Um, it was also cool. I would I challenge any of you if you got a question, send that dude an email. He just gave you a free ticket. I know. For good. To his email so, address. I know. Do that. Do that. But also, we would love it if you contacted us, Jason. How can people uh, get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? You know, the best way to get in hold of me is on Twitter at Jason M Blummer, or you can follow Thrival CPAs at Thrival CPAs on Twitter. How about you, Greg? How do people find you, dude? I, you know what? I want people to send me emails now, okay. just like a <laughs> Boer does. I want you to send me emails. You can send me emails at uh, my email address, the dumb one at gregkite.com. Um, that's the dumb one at gregkite.com. As a matter of fact, my email is set up so that you can do anything at gregkite.com. Are you serious? To my yes, uh, my Redbox uh, email address is assface at gregkite.com. So I get emails from Redbox that say, "Dear Assface, <laughs> we thank you so much, Assface, for using Redbox." So uh, yeah, so email okay. me anything at gregkite.com. Do that. Uh, we got some people to thank. Jennifer Blummer, she worked her tail off to get us ready for this interview. Uh, her work is invaluable to us. She's great. She's the producer. Thank you, Jennifer, for what for, for all the hard work you do behind the scenes. And Aaron Dowd is our audio engineer. He puts all this stuff together. So if you don't hear an echo in our Renee Bauer uh, section, that means he took it out because we did hear one. <laughs> we hope exactly. he could. And so, exactly. hey, a couple of reminders. We want to tell people, if you're listening, if you're interested in Thrival membership, you can come to a monthly Thrival introductory call every month. I spend 30 minutes just sharing a little presentation, telling you some stories of members and how a community helps people grow their firms. 
come to that. You can register in the show notes below. Good. And we'd love it if you uh, left some ratings and some reviews on whatever platform you get this on, whether that's Stitcher or iTunes or your ham radio that's that right. you have set up in your bomb shelter. Yes. And you and know, we have Deeper Weekend every year in Greenville, South Carolina, October 25th through 27th. You can sign up now with an early bird discount code. Actually, key in. Hashtag DW17. And you know what? You can take $250 off before June 30th. $250? What are you insane? And you know what? We have a tripping out MC coming. What? We do. A good one this year? He's good this year. And <laughs> Greg Greg Kite will be goodness. the MC again for another and year of Deeper Weekend. And we've got a great speaker. His name is Jason Plummer. He's kind of a new guy on the new, scene new. in the accounting profession, I'm but new. we're, we're taking, a, taking a risk on that and seeing how he yeah. does. Plus, there's Jeff Phillips from Accounting Fly uh, that's going to come and uh, blow our minds. Like every about, year, we get them blown at the deeper the deeper weekends. We're talking about scaling and growing your firm, so you don't want to miss Deeper Weekend. This will be it'll just be mind blowing. Yep, big time. Okay, uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We're going to have a giant party next month on our uh, 72nd episode, uh, rounding out six total years of the Thrivecast. Uh, and we we can't wait to have you back again and to yak into your ear holes. Okay, we're going to see you. Thank you for letting us <laughs> put words into your ear holes, listeners. Yak into your ear holes. That's horrible. Okay, <laughs> okay. we'll see you, listeners. Thank you for joining us on our journey. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.